Uh, Tony, I mean, your your reaction when you saw that, I mean, uh, I, we were talking during the break, and you seem much more optimistic than me. I'm not pessimistic, I would say, but I'm certainly holding my breath until we hear any kind of concrete news about it. But uh, your reaction when you saw Joel Embiid go down with that injury? So, I'm probably the wrong guy to talk about uh, you know, optimism, because you know, we all know that Jigsaw is not the most optimistic person in the world, but... It is 2021. I'm trying to change my ways a little bit. Uh, but in all seriousness, listen, I turned around, I watched the replay, and I was like, ooh. But then I watched it again, and I'm like, okay. You know what? I really think he just hyperextended his name. Now, we all know that Joe likes to play a little more based on some of the things because he's a big guy. He's very charismatic. But I don't really think, and again, I'm not a doctor here, but I don't think they would have picked him up and allowed him to put pressure on that knee if they really thought the worst. Now, obviously, we watched Carson Wentz throw a touchdown on a, a toward ACL. But when you watched him stand, it was it was very awkward. Joe didn't look awkward. So I, I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident that it's, it's just going to be a hyperextended knee three to four weeks. But that's just me. I'm, 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 I'm praying here, John. But that's what I fully, fully feel right now. Yeah, and that's what they're calling it right now, a hyperextended knee. That would usually be about two to four weeks if that was the case. Uh, but uh, hoping we'll get more of that news again. So far, the only thing we've heard is hyperextended knee from Adrian Wojnarowski. And uh, MRI will be tomorrow, he said. So we'll maybe find out more tomorrow about the extent of the injury. But certainly a very... Um, very hold your breath type moment for the Sixers and haven't had that in a while. And, you know, they're, they're winning right now, 116 to 89. They will likely end up getting the win over Washington. But yesterday's game, I, I haven't been calling it the most impressive, but that was probably the most important win I think the Sixers have had so far. And the one where I felt like the culture change uh, that Doc Rivers has been trying to instill is finally happening. Were you getting that sense after last night's game? Because that was one that easily in that spot they would have lost. And getting a win this time felt really good. Uh, one, I, I agree 100%. It's, listen, we, we, I think we've had this conversation multiple times in, in specific periods of the season where we've said, if Brett Brown was a coach, we lose that game. And Doc Rivers has completely changed the landscape and the thoughts behind all these players and the lineup because who would have thought he was going to start Tony Bradley? I didn't think he was going to start Tony Bradley. I was, like, shocked, and I'm glad I didn't put uh, Dwight Howard in my DFS lineup, but that's another topic for another day. But I was shocked when I seen him run in the center spot. So I'm like, okay, you know, Doc had a plan. And, and one of the most important things as a coach is to show your, number one, your young players, and number two, your players that, you know, may not be used to being relegated to the bench or even for the starter minutes as well, but to show them you can win without your best two players. And that's something that Doc showed. And the win is so huge, just like you said, John, because it instills the confidence in these players that you're going to definitely need down the stretch run to come off the bench and play productive minutes. Yeah, and, you know, I, I, it's it's what has me feeling probably the most confident about the Sixers now. It, are you feeling that way? Yeah. Again, su- assuming Joel Embiid, uh, let's just go with it, it's not serious. He's going to come back. All that, you know, uh, uh, 
because we can't assume the worst or speculate on the worst, but assuming, you know, right now Joel Embiid will be back, uh, is this the most confident you felt about in the Sixers? Because after a win like that, that was finally the one I needed to see to go, okay, they actually have changed things. I know Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons have, but this entire team has kind of changed uh, their their mentality and uh, their culture. And I, I, it made me feel it like I was more confident in them now than I have been maybe since they've had Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Well, this is a tough one because I did a lot of soul searching yesterday, and I was thinking about this. And I, I'm going to I'm going to stay on my stance that the Sixers just aren't good enough. I, you know, right now I don't I don't really care if you know you have a full Joel Embiid and a full Ben Simmons. I I cannot be confident that they can hang with the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, you know, I just can't. I know we, we talk about this topic over and over again, but. That's who we have to point to. That's who we have to compete against. I don't. I don't care about the regular season, but when it comes out of the playoffs, you know, you, your goal in your mind has to be: we have to be able to beat the Brooklyn Nets because they are the best team in the East, in my opinion. Now, granted, I did have a little more confidence because you see Mike McKee-Seibold, who was an unbelievable underrated defender in this league, actually hit some shots, which was nice. You see Tony Bradley actually being productive, right? So we've seen a lot of different pieces contribute, but the problem is, John, I, 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 I'm sorry, I can't be a homer. They're just not good enough, and it made me completely change my opinion on the whole Kyle Lowry thing. As I started thinking about it, I was like, you know what? Unless we're going to get him for essentially nothing, what's the point? Because I don't even think that that move – will take us to that next step, in my opinion. Well, I, I think the move would improve them, but I think what I got more comfortable with is if they didn't make that move. Yeah. I love I love yeah. this Sixers. This Sixers team finally looks like, not, not Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons look like two players that could get to a conference final or win an NBA Finals. This team finally looks like it. And that's when I finally went, okay, if they don't make that trade... I think they're going to be okay. And I finally felt that way after last night. But, Tony, I would call you, I don't know the, the king of takes, um, but you obviously call, you call the Heat Ratio Sports Podcast Network Heat Ratio Sports because you, 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 like, you like takes. You like uh, hot I like takes. The heat, I like the heat, exactly. So I, I, I want to hear if you can hear this as well. Hopefully you can. If not, I will summarize it for you. But uh, on the Washington Wizards broadcast, we got mm. this doozy of a take. Damn, that game, but I feel like this was the year that he deserved. Yeah, I mean, I've said it before. And I know I'll take flack for it as Westbrook is at the free throw line as the call on the floor stood the challenge by Doc Rivers. I think Ben Simmons is one of, if not the most overrated players in the NBA. (laughs) And he's gotten so much love and attention that people aren't paying attention to what Tobias Harris is actually doing on the floor. What a you know, and my wow. favorite thing is at the end of that, his broadcast partner going, Oh, uh, I, you yeah. know, uh, <laughs> I mean, that guy, that was something. Uh, that was a take, Tony. Uh, you know what? First rate the take on a, on a scale of one flame to five flames, five flames being like the star system, five flames being the best. How many flames are you giving that, bro? That that's that's a one, that's weak. <laughs> that honestly, that is super weak. You know why? Because <laughs> It's it, it's completely factitious. It really is because think about it. Ben Simmons has faced the most scrutiny of any player in the you know, and by me as well. So to say he's overrated, 
I, I you know, that, that's just ridiculous. I, I don't understand that statement at all. To me, that was really, really weak. I'll give it five flames if it had some credibility. But to me, <laughs> that was completely weak. That was completely uh, weak. You know what? I'll say that response was five flames. Let's go! <laughs> that is great. I mean, yeah, look. About that Think is. About I mean, that, that, that is what we – John, how many times do we say the word clickbait? How many times do we say that all the time? You know, let's let's get somebody fired up by saying something. Here's the, here's the difference. You know – being with me for a long time, if I say something, I mean it, and I can give you some evidence or uh, some credibility behind why I'm thinking the way I am. This guy just throws something out there. Come on, man. That made zero sense whatsoever. <laughs> that, made, know, what, that made no sense. <laughs> uh, yeah, Ben Simmons being overrated, I would... First of all, I mean, there were so many things wrong with that statement uh, to begin with. <laughs> so, I, you're right. Ben Simmons is not underrated. Uh, or overrated at all. I would say maybe no. a little... I would actually lean a little bit underrated, right? Because we've been saying all the problems I, I, I he has, agree. and it turns out he's great. Side of the ball. Yeah, That's exactly. The side of the ball. We're, we're starting to see, at least this season, uh, as we put him more under a microscope, he is playing probably the best he ever has, and we're starting to realize, oh, yeah, the defense thing, that does matter. He can put up points now. He's, you know, the mentality change. He's being aggressive, so that is obviously a change that needed to happen that he's made. But everything else that he does that we kind of scoffed at, we now go, oh, yeah. And what was that game that he was out? I think it might have been against uh, Portland or, or a team like that where they should have won that game easily. It might not have against Portland. I think Sacramento something. And Ben Simmons was out, and they could not run an offensive set to save their lives. And that was, I think, the first game we went, oh, Maybe we need Ben Simmons. Like maybe, maybe this guy really is kind of setting everything up to happen. But then to say after that, Tobias Harris, which Harris is playing well, but then to 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 go over top of that with Tobias Harris is underrated because of Ben Simmons. That is something. Oh, it's so it, you know it's it's crazy because you made a good point about and I, I can't remember if it was Portland or Sacramento, but the point is. Doc Rivers has structured this offensive formula around everybody's strong suits, number one being Ben Simmons. Finally getting to do what myself, yourself, a lot of other people said as well, finish at the rim. Just make make yourself a scorer. Start being selfish. Stop always turning your back and looking to dish all the time. And that's what he's done. So he, he has created so much space, and they've added shooters, and at, at, at that time, and they were able, you know, to to formulate that kind of offensive system without Ben Simmons. So, it, you know, it, it just it boggles my mind when, when when national people talk in that way. It just says it says to me all the time. Number one, they're disconnected, and number two, they just want an audience. And That's I wish that was national. That was the Washington, to be specific. That was the NBC Washington broadcast of the game and boy that's that's the thing like this isn't a national guy this isn't skip bayless trying to say something or this isn't max kellerman or Stephen a smith just saying something just to say it and see if it gets people all riled up this is a washington wizards broadcaster that i think actually believes that tobias harris
Harris is better than Ben Simmons, and that sent me. Like I didn't know how to react to that. That's why I needed you on. You are you know, you're the king of takes, or you you like takes. So I at least figured you could give us a review on one. I think this is a new segment now uh, to to review the take as if you're a movie critic or a TV critic, and you you review I guess hot takes. I hear a beeping. Is that good? Are you okay? This sounds like yeah, a, yeah, we're good. Yeah, no, no hospital. We're good. No, we're no, good. It, it didn't sound. It sounded like. Have you ever watched the TV show Twenty Four? Yeah, it sounded that the beeping sounded exactly like that. Like there was a a countdown timer to Jack Bauer trying to save the day at CTU. (laughs) Oh, Jack Bauer! I miss Jack Bauer. That was a that was a great show. Who absolutely? I'll I'll ask I'll ask you this now because you seem are you an action movie guy? I am. I love action movies. I like all kinds, John. Okay, that's good, and I feel like you'd be a good person to ask this. Um, is Jack Bauer the most bad A character of all time in TV or movies? I'll tell you, if he's not. Now, you said TV movies, so you got to be careful with that. because Right, you know what, should we stick with TV then? Since it is a TV show, should we stick with TV? Okay. Yeah, because when you talk movies, you got to add like Steven Seagal and Liam Nielsen in there as well. Oh, that's right, yeah. Like the the taken character I would have to, to include in that, yes. Yeah, absolutely. But TV, oh, for the miniseries part, absolutely. One, 100%. Jack Bauer was indestructible. It, it didn't matter what happened. Jack Bauer had a plan. He always had a plan. And that was so great about him. So we always talk about crossovers, too. You know, that it always becomes a meme. Like, you know, this is the greatest crossover of all time. As in, you know, a TV show meets another TV show. And, you know, or uh, two, like Marvel, two movies collide together. And everybody said, The Avengers, the best crossover movie of all time. You know, I I always would have wanted, ever since I saw both uh, 24 and the Die Hard movies. I want Jack Bauer Ooh. and John McClane in the same movie together. Could you? You know what? I wanted like Jason Statham and The Rock. You know that made that movie where they're basically trying to just kill each other. I want that, but with John McClane and Jack Bauer, like that, the ultimate, just two amazing bad A characters. Seeing which one is tougher and which one can save the day, whatever. However, they're going against each other. I feel like that would end up being the greatest movie fight of all time. That would be pretty good, especially because you know John McClane is you know he he got a little Philly style. Yeah. He's just right. So he's just he's just a, a hardcore dude. Jack Bauer is one of those intellectual cerebral, you know, as they would call him, the cerebral. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Hey, John, if you want to do hot takes, listen, I already do Jigsaw's Judgment, so we can do a Jigsaw's Judgment whenever you want. Yeah, let's let's do it. You know what? I love how we're doing this on the fly. That's what we do here in The Gambler. Me and Sean and I had a segment earlier in his show that went completely off the rails, and good, I can do that with you. And it's the final hour of this program, as it was the final hour of Sean as well, that we just went completely off the rails. And we're doing that right now with Tony Cotillo. Follow him at Cotillo 23 Heat Sports Ratio is his podcast network that you can check out at Heat Ratio Sports on the Twitter machine. He's joining us on the Dr. Glattree Grow Your Hairline on the line change. Fox Sports the Gambler presented by Cure Auto Insurance. But we usually have you a lot of the time because of NBA and DFS and other things, Philly is as well, that we'll get into. Uh, but NBA DFS tonight, what were the plays that you had and uh, and why and how are they going tonight? So last time I checked, you know, one of my plays was Thaddeus Young. And I like Thaddeus Young because he is now the closer in Chicago, which is crazy. 
but not getting Wendell Carter Jr. any love. And Thaddeus Young's been over 30 points. And, again, for everybody out there, that's fantasy points. He's been over 30 points over the last five games. So, for 5,700, it's a great mid-tier value. I mean, 100%. My top dog was Zion. Uh, Everybody knows I'm a jaw over Zion guy, but – Oh, of course you have a good take on that one, probably. Ja over Zion. I do like what Ja's been doing. I, well, I, I make Grace go crazy <laughs> when I tell him I would have picked Ja over Zion. He tells me I'm absolutely nuts. Listen, you have to look at the way the game is structured nowadays. I know Zion's going off, but how long is Zion going to be able to withstand that kind of punishment? Because he plays so damn hard. Ja Morant is what this NBA is all about. He's going to take the torch from a guy like Chris Paul. That's what he's going to do. So why wouldn't you want John Moran? But Zion was 28 fantasy points in the first half. So he's going to. it looks like he's going to lead up to that 50-point barrel that I, I kind of predicted at 9,000. So, and then there was a couple guys, you know, Kevin Porter Jr. out there. Listen, Houston, and it's not Michael Porter Jr., it's Kevin Porter Jr. because Houston has nobody playing for them, John. Nobody. No Gordon, no Aladipo, no Wall, no Christian Wood. I don't even know who's going to score out there, but I'll tell you what, Porter Jr. put up 42 fantasy points. He was only 3,200 tonight. So he could be an absolute steal if he produces. That game's not until 1030. Yeah, 1030. Who do you like in that game, though? I've been seeing a lot of Pacers love here, plus four and a half uh, against the Lakers. But what, what action do you have on that for DFS? Uh, well, I, I have Kevin Porter Jr. for okay, the right. Rockets. Ah, uh, there yeah, we go. Yeah, so, yeah, so again, like I said, somebody somebody has to score for Houston, in my opinion. Somebody. And why not let it be Kevin Porter Jr.? I think he's a, a really, really good pick. Yeah, that game has actually tipped off right now, early 16-15 to 15 lead for the Utah Jazz. Donovan Mitchell, an early nine points for Utah. Oof. So, uh Early on, Utah Jazz has the lead. Let me see what Kevin Porter Jr. has right now. Five points, two for three from the floor. Early on for Porter Jr. All right. So not, that's not bad, right? Right, $3,200. All he's got to do is give you five more. It's already a bargain. So 10 fancy points for three grand. It's a bargain basement pick right there. That, they're, they're the kind of picks that you get here on the game. I love it. That's uh, that's why you got to listen to Tony and listen to his DFS segments every day. A nice little minute DFS, uh, long DFS clip that you can listen to. You've been talking baseball, though, as well on that while the NBA was in the All-Star break. So I'll talk a little bit of ball with you. And right now, I want to know what you think about the Philly center field uh I hate to say conundrum. I guess it's a really good situation right now because they have a lot of guys vying for that spot that are playing really well. Uh, that's obviously got to be a good thing for the Phillies. I mean, just how are we feeling about them overall in, in spring training right now? There seems to be a lot more good than bad. And when you have something like this come up, you know, who are they going to start? Obviously means, you know, they've been playing well in spring training and they have options, which is a good thing. Yeah, they do. They, they, the, the big thing with the Phillies is going to be rotation. And that's what we, we talked about that a lot is who's going to be their fifth guy? Who's going to be their fourth guy? Can a guy like Matt Moore actually produce at the, at the fifth spot? Can a guy like Spencer Howard make that rotation? Can a guy like Zach Eflin win 15 games, right? Can Aaron Nola be an 18 game winner? Can Zach Wheeler win 18 games? I mean, the, the questions to me are more for pitching because 
The bullpen was just horrendous last year, and it was nice to see them rebuild that and make that. Dombrowski made that a sticking point, which is that's how you win championships, right? That's how you compete, which was good to see. So I, I personally, Don, I mean, it's 80 and a half is, is the, for the win total, for the over. I, I go over all day. I, I still think the Phillies have every opportunity to win 90 games. I really do. I, I, I think they are, are anywhere between 86 and 89 and with a couple good bounces, they can go to 90, in my opinion. So you think they can actually get to 90? Their total is at 80.5. I'll see if that has changed. I know it's gone up in some books, but I don't know in DraftKings yet. Uh, and yeah, the, I mean, the, the concern to me, not the concern, but the only thing I worry about right now is starting rotation uh, with Nola, yep. Wheeler, Eflin. How do you think they do kind of settle in the back end of the starting rotation? Right now, I mean, I'm looking on the ESPN depth chart. It has Matt Moore and Chase Anderson. I mean, I don't know if that's locked yet. Uh, are, are we looking Spencer Howard? It seems like maybe going to the bullpen, but he is certainly competing for a final spot. Just the end of the rotation. Is that good enough? Yeah, that, it, it's going to be tough because you have, uh, again, you have a guy that has a lot of miles on him in Matt Moore, who's bounced around a couple times. He had a couple coffee in Tampa Bay. They, they didn't do that bad. You know, he, he he's a fringe starter, but you never know. Listen, Matt, if Matt Moore, who has been pretty decent, in spring training, if he can give you, I don't know, six to seven wins as a fifth star, that's not terrible because, you know, that's, that's not a bad thing. I, I, I actually would love to see Spencer Howard in the rotation, not in the bullpen. I just I, I want this kid's young psyche not to be screwed up by going to the bullpen and going back. I know your boy Vinny Velasquez, right? I, I hate to mention him, but it's like, where do we want him? He's always been a bullpen guy, in my opinion. They just never put him in the rotation, but they constantly flip him. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. <laughs> just throw Howard at that number five spot and just let him deal, man. Let him deal. I, I would rather see Chase Anderson or Matt Moore in a, you know, in that fringe sixth spot, kind of play that Chad Durbin role for this team, not Spencer Howard. I'd like to see him in a rotation. So a, a young player that we thought had a lot of promise is uh, – didn't look great last year. Spring training, not looking good. Scott Kingery, I mm. where where are you at with him? I'm, I mean, I'm kind of maybe the same way with Reese Hoskins too. I'm just I've lost hope. If it ends up working out, great, but I'm not expecting those two to make a big impact. But Scott Kingery certainly uh, just seems to just not be acclimating as well. I mean, something just doesn't look right, and I don't know if it ever will with Scott Kingery. Yeah, it's a really interesting situation because we were so pump for Scotty Kingery because it was like, you know, listen, we don't have the best farm system in, in Major League Baseball. We already know that, right? So when you see a guy excel in single A and double A and go through, you're like, wow, but remember, they may pull him right out of double A. I mean, he barely even sipped a cup of coffee at triple A and came right to the majors. And it, it, think about it, John, I think I catch 22 because in this town, we've always said that the Phillies were one of those teams that always held guys down longer than they had to be a la Ryan Howard, right? He comes up at 26 years old. Held so, down I mean, by Jim Tomey. Right? Yeah, from an yeah. old Jim Tomey. And, and not, no disrespect to Jim Tomey. No disrespect at all. He was great. Right? And, and we know why. We know why. They had to sell tickets in Citizens Back Park. We know what that was all about. And I think it was brilliant. But the thing is, we, we constantly did that with pitchers and batters. And now we do the opposite with Kingery, and we bring them up. And it backfires. So 
I'm with you. I, I don't really know if he's ever going to get it. Because you mentioned Reese Hoskins. It's the same kind of thing. Listen, when you kind of fix your, swift, uh, fix your swing two out of three years in a row, there's a problem. You shouldn't have to do that. That means, you know, that should be natural. You, you know, every now and then we see Ryan Howard. He messes with mechanics a little bit. But Reese is, is a complete 180 every year. I don't think he's ever going to get it either. And that's, that's going to be the only issue where you have Kingery and he's, uh, Hoskins are very important to that lineup this year. Yeah, I, I think with, with Hoskins, like if they need to change anything now at this point, and, you know, I don't know launch angle or anything, but he's more of a line drive hitter. Change that swing up enough to where he actually can provide some power as a, a, a power hitter because he's just not that to me. Reese, Reese Hoskins is a power hitter that doesn't really hit for power. He hits exit velocity great, hits line drives, but barely hits any fly balls, and when it does, it doesn't go out nearly enough in the home run fly ball rate. I mean, something just needs to drastically change, whether or not they just make him a line drive hitter and live with it, or fix his swing enough to make him into more of a home run hitter. I don't know what that is, but yeah, I've, I've just completely lost hope with him as well. Yeah, you know, and a lot of people, when I would bring that up about Reese, they would come at me, oh, the guy's looking at great pitches, he's taking, well, guess what? I don't want my number four hitter to be looking at Well, your power hitter, yeah, ball. to be just looking at pitches and not swinging, yes. <laughs> I mean, that's not good. No, that's not good. We don't need that. So, yeah, I'm with you. I am completely out. I've been out on Reese the last two years. I, listen, I would be, I'd love nothing but to eat crow and him to prove me wrong, but I just don't see it happening. I don't either. Um, have we talked about the Eagles front office issues yet? I feel like you would have a lot to say about that. Um, well, you know what? You know what's funny? I, I'll actually start with this because the Jalen Hurts stuff, um, especially with what Jeffrey Lurie said and all that. Like it seems like not old news, but I'm I'm just tired of it. But what Eagles fans are doing again to themselves is they hear a quarterback prospect has a lot of talent, and you know that this guy is interesting, intriguing, and they just look at the pro day and go, whoa. And Carson Wentz, they all did it, and it ended up working out well in some ways, bad in others, but maybe just look a little bit more into the guy than just the pro day. I feel like we overreact to the pro day for quarterbacks more than anything. Nah, we really do. And, and I know we're talking about Trey Lance. And Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> it, yeah, I get it. I, I mean, listen, yes. Did he Did he look good? Yeah. Is he raw? Absolutely. Is he the nice, shiny toy? Probably. Probably. But we, we, let's just give somebody a chance. I keep saying this. Like, you know, whether you like Jalen Hurts or not, I mean, he's already working out with Rager. He's already – this kid's a leader. He's faced adversity throughout his entire career. Just let him play and see what happens, whether he's good or bad. I don't know. Does it really matter, John? Does it matter if we find out if he's good or bad this year? Like, in all actuality, it really doesn't. So let the damn kid play and stop worrying about everybody else for once. At T. Cotillo 23, Tony. Uh, the, the whole Friday thing has worked out well. I love talking to you on a Friday uh, because it's more of a relaxed, let's just throw out some takes and have some fun. And I always, always enjoy that. Tony, another good time tonight. Can't wait for it again next week, man. And at Heat Ratio Sports, all of that. It should be a, uh, a fun weekend with college basketball and all that. But NBA DFS, glad we're getting that back with you as well. Uh, good chat, Tony. Yeah, thanks. Hey, John. Real fast, before I go, yes. to all the people out there that said I was crazy in the beginning of the year when I said I would not trade Matisse Thibault, I would actually trade Maxi over Thibault when Maxi was going off, everybody, oh, you're crazy. Well, 
now, guess what? Look at them now, and that's the reason why. That's all I got to say. I love it. Ending on a take. You know what? I will give that. That was a good one. Maybe three and a half out of uh, five flames. It was It was good. It was like the Kings of Leon album. It's not going to shock everybody, but it was really solid and well done. And I'm, I enjoyed it. So that's what I'm going to, uh, to, to rate yours. And that's going to be our new segment, Rate the Take, uh, with Tony Jigsaw Cotillo. Uh, always, always a pleasure talking to you. Thanks, buddy. Have a great weekend, man. I appreciate it. Tony Cotillo, at Cotillo 23